Welcome to the Bubble Lounge. I'm Nellie Shudo. And I'm Martha Jackson. And today we have on Dr. Tiffany Moon, MD, who is the most beautiful woman, fashionista, doctor, TikToker, you name it, she can do it. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, of course. So I I have to say to you, you have a very interesting background of how your family came here. But first, I have to ask you a question. I'm impressed. What the heck did you guys just say? Can't tell you what's a secret. We just said, Martha, what's she wearing? What is that girl wearing? It's hideous. No, she asked me if I knew how to speak Chinese, and I said, I can't believe you speak Chinese. Right? Very good. I'm impressed. Very impressed. So which part of China are you from? I'm from a small town outside of Beijing Mm -hmm. of, you know, 2.5 million people. Yeah, small. small, Yeah, yeah, small small town. Small for China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I immigrated to the United States when I was six years old. Okay. And tell me about your family's journey here. Well, my parents came to America on a student visa. Mm -hmm. So they came when I was three and left me in the care of my grandparents because they didn't think they could go to to school full time and take care of a three-year-old and all these things. Mm -hmm. So I basically didn't see my parents from when I was three years old until I was six years old. Okay. And then when I was six and they finally had sort of, you know, gotten enough money and gotten established, um, they sent for me. Mm -hmm. And all I remember is that I got onto a plane for the first time in my life and flew directly from Beijing to JFK Airport Mm -hmm. with a flight attendant who sort of looked after me. And all I remember is that she gave me so many snacks and let me drink (laughs) as much soda as I wanted. And I was like, I should always fly. This is amazing. (laughs) You were like bouncing off the walls. Yeah, when I met my parents (laughs) at JFK. I was like, hey. And back then, they used to be able to meet you at the terminal. You know, you could like go it up to the gate where people were coming yes, out. And yes. I remember like meeting my parents mm-hmm. for the first time when I was six. It was wow. crazy. Yeah. What was that like when you had your reunion with your parents? You hadn't seen them in three years. You were only three when they departed. What was that like when you guys got back together? I would say it's a little bit surreal. Like I knew that they were my parents, first of all, because I had seen pictures of them and they were sort of, you know, out for Mm -hmm. me. But I was sort of like, I don't really know these people. (laughs) I don't know what they're like. They don't really know what I'm like or like to eat. And it's so weird here. And it was, it was a little, there was a little getting used to period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your family has a big business. It's a family business. Obviously, you are an anesthesiologist. Yes. But the family business, Sam Moon, is something that everybody here in Dallas really knows about. Yes. It is my husband's family's business. Mm -hmm. Um, His father, David Moon, started it in 1984 as sort of a women's accessories and handbags wholesale place. Mm -hmm. And then people would go there and say, well, I wish I wasn't wholesale. Like, I'd love to just buy a purse or two, not 10 or 20. Mm -hmm. Um, And they pivoted from being a wholesaler to sort of being a a retailer. And then people, it just blew up. It became this thing. Well, I guess it's kind of like bringing the night markets from China to Dallas, you know, which are so much fun and so much pretty stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I tell people who don't know, because it's like a Dallas thing. And now we have seven stores across Texas. But Mm -hmm. if you're from LA or New York, like you don't know what Sam Moon is. Yeah. And I just tell people it's like Claire's on crack. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 
is it is all the things that you don't really need, so but I'm, they're so cheap you buy them anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm over here laughing because I actually lived through this change because I I was when I was in college, one of my best friend's mom had a store and she was able to get into Sam Moon and we were all in our sorority. We were such so envious of my friend. She could come in and she would buy, you know, in the eighties, Nelly, we had all those sparkly big gigantic earrings. Yes. She would come in and just go to town and bring back just loads of stuff and we were so jealous and we were all so happy when it went to being able to anyone could go. Yeah. It was great. That was a big deal back then. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I love that kind of stuff. I love little, I mean, just having spent, you know, I lived in China for a while. I lived, lived in Taiwan. I've spent a lot of time there. I had a job there. Uh, I love all those little, like, lipstick holders uh-huh. and, you know, things that you wouldn't think of with the little mirror on it. That's what I think of when I think Sam Moon. I love all those trinkets, too. I just yeah. go in there, and I'm like, I'll have that, and I'll have that, and my <laughs> friend would like that, and I'll just take that. It's great. But what about you? Tell us about you. So you are an anesthesiologist. I am. I am a full-time professor at UT Southwestern. Mm-hmm. Um, Check I you am out. going on eight, my eighth year mm-hmm. of, of being a full-time faculty member. I joined in 2012. Mm-hmm. So I'm now like a mid-career faculty. I was like, what? <laughs> I know. I'm like, no. Um, my job consists of taking care of patients in the operating room when they're having surgery, mm-hmm. um, teaching medical students and residents alongside me. So I always travel with my posse Um, and then doing clinical research, which right now I'm not doing because all our clinical trials um, are paused because of COVID. Um, So right now, mostly just taking care of patients and doing some teaching. So I have a question about anesthesiology. I can barely say that. Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) So you get the opportunity to interview and choose your surgeon, but you don't get to choose your anesthesiologist. That's correct. Why is that? I mean, it's such an important job. They're the ones putting you under, and they're the ones responsible if you're going to make it out of the situation. You, you literally meet them the morning of your surgery. Yeah, and you didn't get to choose them at exactly. all. Exactly. It's sort of like roll of the dice. Right. right. I know. I've always thought that that was a little um, <laughs> interesting. I will tell you that when I have had surgery and when my husband has surgery and when his father had surgery, I we chose the anesthesiologist and the surgeon. But that's only because I had an in right. and I knew which group covered the surgeon. Mm-hmm. And then I picked someone within the group that came you know, highly recommended. And I, but I agree with you. I that did is, hear that it's key to ask if they are an MD. That's very important to ask. Yeah, there's there's a you know long debate about nurse anesthetists versus MD anesthesiologists. Here in Texas, um, CRNAs aren't allowed to practice alone, so they're always sort of practicing under the medical license of a physician. But in some states, they are. Um, it's it's a um, heated issue in the anesthesia world. Yeah. So I'm going back to your upbringing for a second, because I know you grew up in the hood, in the bubble, the bubble area like us. Um, Are you an only child? I was an only child for 11 years until my mom and dad had an oopsie, and my (laughs) brother came out after years of asking for a sibling because I was lonely and bored, Um, and my mom saying no, you know, all this stuff, and then one day she was like, you're going to have a a little brother, and I was like, I'm 11, I don't want one now, gross. (laughs) No, I have an only child, and it's funny because I always say to him, listen, I'm one of four kids. 
If you were not an only child, all your stuff would be taken. You'd be sat on, locked in closets. Enjoy your time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of my children bit the other one. The other yeah, I've got a, you know, there's like biters. Yeah, I'm like, no, we don't bite. People. We don't. Bite. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually gave birth to a biter myself too. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us. We've talked to a lot of people during the pandemic. We've talked to doctors. We've talked to all sorts of people, but we haven't talked to anyone that's literally been on the front lines. Like, tell us what it's been like working in a hospital during this situation. Um, it's been a little twilight zony. Mm-hmm. Um, every morning when I go into the hospital, obviously I wear a mask as soon as I get out of my car. And then there is a screener that checks our temperature. Um, we fill out online surveys about our symptoms, one of those, you know, screening forms. Mm-hmm. Um, I wear an N95 mask all day. I mean, I have makeup on today, but I'll tell you, I don't normally wear makeup because mm-hmm. it just all comes in. It's disgusting. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just a a little bit um, of a strange experience because I know that I pledge my life to help others and I'm dedicated to doing that. I haven't missed a day of work since the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. But I have a little bit of anxiety about like while I'm taking care of people, is someone going to get me sick? And mm-hmm. maybe that's a selfish thought, maybe not. But I'm up in people's airways intubating yeah. them. Yeah, I right? was, like, we were talking about that before. I'm like, like that's what she must be doing. Y- mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have full PPE on, mm-hmm. you know, my N95 mm-hmm. something else. Over that, a gown over that. But still, yeah. you're just scared. I mean, now mm-hmm. these days, you know, if someone coughs, you're like, ah, you know. I know. And I'm, you know, literally in people's tracheas, mm-hmm. putting in endotracheal tubes. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain amount of, anxiety that I think now I have at work that I didn't have before. Yeah. But I'm an anxious person to begin with. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I worry about all the things. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So on a lighter topic, you are a TikTok sensation. TikTok talk. <laughs> TikTok famous. Yes. I, which it was an accident. Like I couldn't have planned it. <laughs> yeah, like my Instagram I'm trying to grow and you know and it's kind of whatever, but then my TikTok all of a sudden has 80,000 followers. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> but the TikTok game has not been strong lately because my 16-year-old stepdaughter is my TikTok producer <laughs> and she's been on holiday with her mother. Uh-oh. So she's not been here for the last 2 weeks. So my TikTok like <laughs> views <laughs> the people that were following me are probably, "What happened to this girl? Like she was hot for a second." <laughs> And, and, and the the ones I make on my own without my 16-year-old producing, they're just oh flopping my left and right. Well, I have a 15-year-old, and she told me when we were actually on quarantine, she's like, Mom, you adults are ruining TikTok right now. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even on it right now. She literally says adults have ruined it. And so I get on there, and I look around, and I find you, and you've done anything but ruin it. You've, like, add some spice to the thing. That is so sweet. Like, my whole intention with it was just to make people laugh mm-hmm. because it was during quarantine. Yeah, we I'm at the that. hospital all day, yeah. doom and gloom. Yeah. I'm not exactly being creative or funny at the hospital. When I get home, you know, I want to make others laugh and, and make myself laugh and do a TikTok with my kids. And yeah. my husband sometimes participates. Um, and it's just it's just this other thing that I, I didn't even think would manifest to what it is today. Yeah. Yeah. The happy surprises in life. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I just love how... 
I, I love how doctors are actually getting on social media and like showing their personalities, like that cute dentist that did the Kiki challenge a couple of years ago, like even before TikTok got super, super big. But I just love how you guys are making people laugh and making people happy. I mean, it's so important right now. Yeah, I love that aspect. And I think for many years, I had stifled that part of my personality mm-hmm. that I could be outgoing or humorous or occasionally off the cuff. That you had to be sort of because like, I'm I had a doctor. to be like serious doctor face. I'm on the staff. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I represent an mm-hmm. institution. I have learners that look up to me. So how dare I yeah, be you're professional? Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to be a good role model yeah. for young men and women, but especially women. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you know what? This is not not being a good role model. This yeah. is me having another side of my Mm-hmm. family life and my creativity and it actually makes me like a happier more well-rounded person because yeah. you hear about these other doctors that just kind of stifle their other personalities and then they're miserable no and also I always I always think um, I only like nice doctors yeah like when my sisters were pregnant they had this um, OBGYN in New York yeah. and um, when my sister was having a baby she actually and was kind of complaining she told her to shut up <laughs> Like, I would never go to a doctor who didn't like hold my hand, make me feel better. Like I'm the kind of person who needs that. Yeah, yeah. I try to like look for my patient. Are they nervous? Or yes. do they want to joke? Mm-hmm. Do they want to read a scripture together before? You can like yeah. kind of read people if you just pay attention. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see what's important to a person. Yes, or you can see the terror in their eyes. Right. In yeah. which case, I'm just like, here's your margarita. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I feel like as a mom, we all need help managing our time. We all have way too many things we're doing, and I myself struggle with that all the time. And I've heard you have very a very unique way that you manage your time because obviously you're extremely busy. Can you share your tips with us? I will preface this by saying that I am a crazy person, <laughs> but I schedule my day in 15-minute increments. No time goes wasted. I will drop my kids off at like a swimming class, which is only a 30-minute swimming class, and I have an itinerary for what I'm going to do during that 30 minutes. Like I will make phone calls. I will do emails. I will respond to TikTok comments. Like it, my day is planned out, and I get that I lose spontaneity in that, and then if something goes off, like something runs late or whatever, it sort of makes me frazzled and makes everything else be shifted a little bit. But what I do gain is so much productivity. Like yeah. I, people, people always ask me, they're like, how do you do it all? Like, how do you be a mom and be a doctor and run your household and do all the things? And I'm like, you have to plan for it. Like, there's no secret. I don't have an app that you can download and it's going to help <laughs> you do all the things. Like, and I'm not trying to brag. Like, I work my butt off, mm-hmm. you know, but I just make the most of every moment and it's intentional. I actually completely understand it because I do something similar. Like I really plan everything out and I find that if I don't plan it out, once the rules are gone and I'm not as rigid about it, uh, first of all, if I'm not as rigid about it, it falls apart, right? Right. So very rigid. I have a son with a learning difference, so got to be rigid. But I also give myself 15 minute breaks and I feel like I literally will take 15 minutes and I will just sit and not do something for 15 minutes and it's like a refueling thing. But I actually think that if you have all that as a base, you are spontaneous. 
So I think I'm seeing you, meeting you today, and you're so spontaneous. I kind of feel like you have that plan, and then you diverge a little bit. You you're, you give yourself the freedom to diverge, right? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like a little bit to be like, oh, this is my 15 minutes of crazy. Right. Yeah. No, I do. And like on Sundays, I build in four hours, and I just put family time. Mm-hmm. Right? So family time can be anything. We can go in the garden. We have like cucumbers and strawberries and mm-hmm. stuff. And we can go on a walk. We can ride our bikes. Like it's just family time. Or sometimes mm-hmm. we just go downstairs and watch Frozen 2 for like 16th time, but it, it, I've blocked that off. But, yeah. but then after that, I have like two hours where I get on the computer and answer the emails and check mm-hmm. my cases for the next day and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I feel, like it. I just feel bad for your husband because you're like, dude, <laughs> you got 15 minutes. Show me what you got. <laughs> yeah, husband gets the time between like 9:30 and 9:45, and I'm like, baby, baby, let's go. That's you got it. five more That's minutes. It. You know, poor guy. He is he is the most wonderful man, and I am not saying that. Like he puts up with my crazy. And he is a saint. <laughs> so speaking of your wonderful husband, uh, how do you all feel about the whole school starting thing here in Dallas? Yeah, well, the governor mandated that no one start would start until like early September, so after mm-hmm. Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our My kids go to a private school, and they've been very good about communicating to us, and are we going to do some distance learning at first and see how things go, and if the rates go down, then perhaps we can come back, and they're going to wear a mask and a face shield, and instead of everybody eating in the cafeteria, we're going to just do lunch in our classrooms. Like, they have mm-hmm. contingency plans, so we're kind of, it's like on a case-by-case moment, but my kids haven't been at school since March yeah. spring break they were let out and they just never returned yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think with proper precautions in place in our school that's doing such a good job of communicating to us I think I'm leaning towards sending them in the fall if mm-hmm. everything's looking good obviously if we have another spike and you know and all that stuff then we're not going well and it's different and Martha will tell you like for me we're in private school too and right. our system is going to be Online school for two weeks. Uh-huh. September 8th, it's going to be a hybrid. Uh-huh. Uh, and then it's going to go to, hopefully, depending right. on the numbers, same thing, no lunch lunch in the classroom, right. no lunch in the lunchroom, but you're going to be in sort of a group, half the class and half the class. Right. And uh, if somebody has a cough or something like that, the whole pod get sent home back right. to online learning. Yeah, so right. Highland Park Yours is, is different. Highland Park is very similar. It's pretty much the same thing. And my concern was is if you do in person, and believe me, no one wants their kids back in person more than me. There's a reason I'm not a teacher. It's just not a good fit. And I want them back in school so badly, but I feel like once everyone gets back in school, those germs are going to start spreading and there's going to be an outbreak and they're going to send the kids right back to home. And so... I kind of feel like I may just do at home for now because we yeah. have the choice. So yeah, your choices, you you don't. It's not the this step thing that we have. Your yours, you know, step levels. Yours is more like do this or that, mm-hmm. right? Right. Right. Which might be, you know, who knows, right? None of us know the answer. I know. No. There, there's no good answer. There's no, no good. There answer. really is not a right choice in this. You have to literally do what's right for you and your family. Correct. Mm -hmm. Every family needs to make a decision. They may be in contact with elderly grandparents that are immunocompromised, so that makes your family be less likely to go to school. Um, Some people are able to work from home. They have businesses and marketing things, and they can Zoom. I have not yet figured out how to do remote (laughs) anesthesia. Um, You know, like, I have to go to work. My husband has to go to work. Yeah. 
and and you know I'm paying someone to come in mm-hmm. and work overtime because that's you know she's normally supposed to work 35 to 40 hours a week and she's mm-hmm. working closer to 55. Yes. Um, and it, it's just you know one of those risks that I think if things progress better that we're there we're gonna have to take that risk and probably send them to school because I can't zoom for five-year-olds anymore yeah. well I we kind of would like for you to be like the Dallas Dr. Fauci oh tell us. that I am not, that is a big role to fill only if you promise to make donuts with my face on them okay yeah yes. and you can throw out the first pitch yeah the Rangers oh my game. gosh Dr. Fauci I mean he's like my I idol agree. I agree yes but do you feel there is a vaccine just as a doctor as I know that's doctor. not your arena but do yes. you feel there is um a vaccine coming in by yes. January. The science behind the vaccine is definitely progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, the company that's in the front line just um, administered another phase of their trial where they did a small phase first and now a larger um, subset of testers, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think, medically speaking, we will probably have a good vaccine by early 2021. That that's is great. my hope, and all the science that I have read leads me to believe that that that's what is most likely. So okay. let me ask you this. If it is ready in January 2021, would you take it as a first person, one of the first rounds of people to, to, to take it? Yeah, I think I probably would. And I think probably yeah. as a frontline person who works in high-risk situations, mm-hmm. that it's almost the responsible thing to do. I mean, my, my work mandates that I get a flu shot every year in September, right. I mean, mm-hmm. September and October, like flu season. Mm-hmm. So I feel it's along the same lines of thinking that as a frontline healthcare worker, that if a you know good vaccine comes out, that it would be my responsibility to take that as well. What yeah. about your kids? Would you give it to your kids? I don't know. I would like maybe wait for them or see if my herd immunity passes it off to them. I'd have to give them a lollipops. They hate shots. (laughs) Because now they know, right? Like they're not like 18 months old where you sort of sneak up and put it in their thigh. Now they're like running and I literally have to chase them down. And yeah. Okay. So enough about COVID. I'm so sick of talking about it. I want to get to the important stuff. I want to know. I want to prove my daughter wrong. I want to know how Nellie and I can become TikTok famous. You just got to come up with a funny idea, something that's quirky about your personality, and make a video. Okay, so for example, my husband is such a dear, sweet, chivalrous man, and whenever we go on date nights or used to, he would always open my door for me. But I'm just a gassy kind of girl. I don't know. Sometimes (laughs) champagne or doesn't agree with me. And every time he would open my door and I would go inside, I would like reopen it and like pass my gas <laughs> out the door. And once I made a video and then other women were like, oh my God, I do the same thing or that's so funny. And then he sits down in his, you know, like nice sports car and he's like, do you smell something? And I'm like, no. no. Uh, <laughs> let's go to sushi. Let's go. Oh <laughs> so just go for it. Don't just overthink do it. it. Yeah, just do, overthink it. do it. And the Be things yourself. that you think are like meh, they'll go viral. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, listen, I know we're cutting into like maybe two 15 minute segments of your life, wow. of your schedule. Yeah, I'm going to so bill you. you <laughs> but thank you so much for being on the show. I have to say it in Mandarin since you speak it too. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I have no idea what they said, but we're going to end this show. 
Thank you for joining us today, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are a hoot. (laughs) That's been another episode of The Bubble Lounge. I'm Martha Jackson. And I'm Nellie Shudo, and we'll catch you next time. 